You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 126 Speaking Welsh. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. It's no secret that I've been wanting to feature the Welsh language on this show for years. So I'm thrilled to have this conversation with David, host of the Life to the Full podcast about the Welsh language and culture in Wales. You'll definitely want to stay tuned throughout as we learn a lot of Welsh vocabulary and pronunciation this week. In this episode, Davith tells us about growing up speaking Welsh and English and attending school where Welsh was the language of instruction. He breaks down the Welsh language and how to understand and use the grammar, and he even lets us know the one linguistic feature of Welsh that he loves. Now, since Wales is a bilingual country, we learn about where we hear the language spoken and where we'll see it while out and about. We take a pointed look at Welsh poetry, including examples of the King Hanneth rhyming pattern, and David tells us about Welsh rugby, the longest place name in Europe, and about life in Cardiff. Massive thank you to David for this conversation and for talking with us about your language and culture. If you enjoy episodes of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, and like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now pledge ongoing support for the show on buymeacoffee.com or on patreon.com. Special shout out to Speaking Tongues recent supporters and patrons Heidi L., Linnea H., Pat N., and Yari A. For just $5 a month, you'll have access to excerpts from this conversation that did not make it to the full published episode. And as you know, I wrote a book. My Food Zine of International Language and Cuisine, Taste Buds Volume 1, is available now for purchase. Check social media for the sneak peek inside the book and make sure that you buy one for yourself and one for your friends. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I am here today with David. How are you today, David? I am excellent. Thank you very much. El, it's I'm, a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to finally have a conversation about the Welsh language and Welsh culture and as many Welsh things as we can get into this conversation today. This has been a long time coming, so thank you so much for for joining and, and having this conversation with me. I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? So I grew up bilingually. I grew up speaking Welsh and English. My dad only spoke Welsh to me when I was a child, and my mum only spoke English to me. My mum couldn't speak Welsh when I was a child, and when me and my brother were uh, teenagers, about 14, you know, 13, something like that, my mum decided, hey, I'm fed up of not knowing what's going on in the, <laughs> in the family with you three talking Welsh all the time, so she learnt as well uh, later in life. So that's what uh, I grew up speaking. And I have learned French to a reasonable degree. I studied French at school, I did A-level. And when I went to university, I would seek out French speakers to kind of mm -hmm. chat with, talk to. And I've just kind of kept it up over the years. I, I love listening to French podcasts and you know watching French YouTube and reading French books and that kind of stuff just to keep it going mm -hmm. and i have also dabbled with a little bit of spanish and italian i had an experience when i went to italy when i was about 19 years old and i did not speak any italian at mm -hmm. all um i i picked up one word when i was there fragole <laughs> strawberries 
Mm-hmm. I could also say Robert, Roberto Baggio, who, <laughs> who was a famous footballer from the 90s. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, and that, that was it. And I felt mm-hmm. so bad. I felt like so awful that I'd gone to this place and I hadn't made any effort to learn anything. Mm-hmm. And so from then on, I made a deal with myself. If I was going to go somewhere, I was going to learn at least the basics of saying, you know, hello, please and thank you. And, you know, how are you? That kind of thing. Just to, just to, you know, show willing and to connect with people. And so that's why I learned Spanish and Italian. I learned Spanish for a little while and yeah, just to, to go on holiday. And mm-hmm. I learned Italian also uh, for seven months for the purposes of going on holiday. And then, nice. yeah, I kind of like to keep them all going as much as I can, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm certainly nowhere near the level it, that I am in French in the other two. Yeah. So. I think that is a really great attitude to have, to want to learn a language and, you know, be able to express the pleasantries and the things that you need to to get by and not just rely on, you know, English or, you know, hoping that someone can translate for you in the in the while you're away. Um, so you grew up in Wales. And what kind of uh, second language opportunities were there outside? Well, in school, did you were you was there like Welsh class in school, Welsh language class or were there other offerings, language offerings in school growing up? So my education was entirely in Welsh. So I went to Welsh language school where everybody spoke Welsh and everything was taught in Welsh in primary school. I went to secondary school and everything was taught in Welsh. And so I didn't even study any English until mm. I was you know, seven or eight years old. Okay. Um, but that is not necessarily the norm. Um, mm-hmm. There are Welsh language uh, schools around and there are English language schools around. And in the English language schools, uh, the provision of Welsh is variable, shall we say. It is supposed to be a, a requirement from the Welsh government that uh, Welsh is taught in schools, all schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that is um, not well done in some places. Mm. and much better in other places Um, and then yeah so when you get to secondary school there is uh, often a provision of a french language so age 11 i started learning french Mm -hmm. and i could have studied german and i worked at a school for a number of years as a maths teacher and they offered spanish you know all sorts of different uh, second languages but mainly you know the big european ones mm. is that the choice of the parent whether to send their child to a welsh language school or an english language school yes it okay. is it is and interestingly so i work i worked in a welsh medium secondary school and mm-hmm. probably about barely five percent of our students came from homes where both parents spoke welsh um, about probably maybe 65, 70% of our students came from homes where there was no Welsh at home, but the parents have opted to send their children to Welsh language primary school and then through to secondary school mm-hmm. because of the opportunities that it affords them yeah. you know, to to learn a second language. So my, my daughter now is seven years old, and again, her, her friends appears... Um, are from English-speaking homes and they are learning Welsh mm-hmm. and it's you know a great opportunity for them and also interestingly the two Welsh or two of the Welsh secondary schools are always the kind of top to two or three um, schools in the area mm-hmm. so the Welsh language education is often you know they get better results Nice. And so you get as- you get aspirational parents sending their kids to Welsh school because they want their kids to do better at school. Yeah. Wow. This is interesting. And the first thing I'm thinking that I don't expect you to have an answer, but like, 
if you're a child and Welsh is not spoken in the home and then you're going to Welsh school, so all your instruction is in Welsh, I wonder what that's like for those kids. Like, Yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're four years old. They're three years old, three and four years old when they start. Mm-hmm. And it it's just completely natural to them. So, you know, they, they start with very basic things like, you know, sit down and, you know, you know, this is the, the whiteboard. This is a pen, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they just they just absorb it. Um, it really is incredible to watch. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like it's like watching a child learn a language for the first time when they're tiny. Mm-hmm. But it's just that they're a few years <laughs> older. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember going to uh, the Basque country uh, for a, a school trip and mm-hmm. the the kids would learn English. So the, the kids are already bilingual by the time they get to school because they speak Basque and Spanish. And then when they get to school, they start learning English age, you know, three or four or wherever it is. And the English teachers would pretend that they couldn't speak Spanish and they couldn't mm. speak Basque and they only spoke English to them. And, you know, these kids are just learning their third language. They just pick it up. And so, you know almost almost all of them are kind of trilingual by the time yeah. they get to 10 years old or 11 years old yeah oh to have my 10 year old brain back that would be <laughs> i could get yeah. so much done <laughs> yeah and to have the the patience that uh, other adults afford you when you're a, a child so you know, definitely definitely no excuse that now. level of, of patience when you're when you're a learner speaking no, to someone definitely not okay so when i was researching for this conversation and i kept coming across another name so i'm 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 saying welsh like the welsh language and welsh you know culture and people but i kept seeing another name and i I don't know how to say it, but it's the the Welsh name in Welsh. Do you know what I'm talking about? I I do. It is okay. Cymraeg. Cymraeg. Or Cymraeg. Cymraeg. Yeah. Cymraeg or Cymraeg. Okay. I do teach Welsh um, a little bit on and off, and one of the things that some of my students get hung up on is this this dialect, the kind of the different pronunciations of words. And so Cymraeg and Cymraeg are both perfectly acceptable ways of saying it. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on where you are in Wales. Oh. And, you know, there's quite a variation in, in accents across South Wales. And there's a particularly big difference in accents between the North and the South as well. Oh my so. goodness. Ah. So since we're we're talking about Kamraig, can can I say that? Is that yeah, like absolutely okay, great. okay. Since yeah. we're talking about Kamraig, um tell us about the language. How do we form sentences? How do we um you know, is it gendered? Is it agglutinative? Is it tonal? Is it what are some of the interesting things about the language that, you know, things that stand out and, you know, maybe even things that you love about the language? Yeah, so it is it is gendered. So to answer some of your questions, um, we do have masculine and feminine, although people don't really care as much about it as they do in some other languages like French. French. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, you know, if you were to say uh, le fenêtre, you know, they might look at you and say, oh, well, you know, what kind of learner is this? Obviously doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, yeah, we, we really don't, don't care too much about it in Welsh. It does sometimes um, kind of, yeah, I mean, change the sentence structure, but uh, you can usually tell from the context what people actually mean um, mm-hmm. even if they've got the wrong gender for something or other um, it is a vso language okay. um, so verb subject object so a sentence example might be gwelais e a verch 
So Gwilice is saw. E is me. And Averch is the girl. So saw me the girl means I saw the girl. Right. Uh, But that is, I think it's changing Mm. because... uh, formal Welsh can be quite formal when you write it but then when you speak it it can be quite informal and you can you know see quite a big difference between written Welsh and spoken Welsh hmm. and so spoken Welsh now is 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 changing a little bit and it's becoming more sort of subject verb object so nesi weld averch so me saw the girl mm-hmm. and i don't know uh where that comes from, where that change is, you know, happening, but it, it's it's something that, uh, yeah, seems to be seems to be going on. Mm-hmm. But one of my one of my favourite things about the Welsh language is the mutations at the that change the beginning of the word. So, for example, there's three there's three types of mutations there, and the mutation is called treglad. So you've got. Treglad medal, which means a soft mutation. Mm-hmm. Uh, treglad llais, which is an aspirate mutation. Okay. And treglad truinol, which is a nasal mutation. Okay. So if you take the word pale, for example, which means ball, mm-hmm. if you just say pale, it means a ball. If you say vermhale, that means my ball. And if you say a bale, that means his ball. And if you say a fail, it means her ball. So it changes. And there, there are a whole load of rules about mutations. And the, the really interesting thing is that probably the people that can do it properly don't know Mm -hmm. why they're doing it properly they don't know the rules and then people that don't know or that want to learn the rules and try and do it properly get so bogged down with (laughs) the rules that they they never get to where they want to be and also the reality is that most people won't care if you (laughs) mutate so they they i think the the welsh people are very generous um overall and forgiving with their level of language <laughs> quality. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But, yeah, that's so interesting. Like the word completely changes, like depending on on the mutation in the front. Yeah, like, so it's it's the front of the word that changes. Yeah. So you've got nine letters that change, and they can change in three different ways. Yeah. So. Wow. That's amazing. That's a fun fact. That definitely, is a fun fact. definitely for me because I would not have known. I've seen Welsh written, and I have heard Welsh spoken, and I, my brain has not been able to connect the two. As you see, I'm holding a pencil because I feel like I'm going to start taking notes <laughs> this episode. <laughs> um, but this is so cool. I think this is amazing. Um, I was going to ask you about how the spoken Welsh is changing. Do you think that it has anything to do with the fact that English is also spoken in Wales and maybe just a more, you know, people using more of like the internet and social media and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I was saying earlier about the the Welsh learning in school, Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Welsh learning that happens in school is kids trying their best to speak Welsh and they end up translating in their heads from English into Welsh when they want to say uh, something. Mm-hmm. And what they come out with isn't necessarily grammatically correct. But the more and more you have generations of kids coming through the system that speak this way, obviously the more it kind of perforate society and you know the more accepted it becomes and it's almost like it's a it's become a new acceptable way of of saying things but yeah it's uh it's really interesting yeah it's it's interesting what not only bilingual community does but how language changes and how it changes so quickly 
when we are so connected through a digital medium. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm both scared and excited to see how, you know, the next generation is passing the baton with language and what they're going to do with it. Mm. Um, and I'm already feeling like I'm, I'm at the age where I'm like Googling slang words that I see <laughs> because it's just not part of my vernacular. And I'm like, wait, is this a bad thing? Is this a good thing? And it's just like, wow, things just changed so much from the the nineties when, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when these things came automatically. Um, was there ever a time in Wales where there was not much emphasis put on speaking the Welsh language or has it always been a very powerful, very, you know, big language that people were proud of? Or was there ever a time where like, people wanted more English dominance than Welsh dominance. And there was like a, I don't want to get into like politics because I really don't understand it, but maybe like an, an identity back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about Welsh culture and, you know, how you kind of inherit a culture as a, person that is born into this group of people you kind of um inherit some of their beliefs and some of their ways of thinking that you don't even realize are different from you know other people and one of the things i think about the welsh in general is that they still it's i don't think it's an inferiority but they still feel like not that they're still under the English rule or anything like that, but that kind of influence of having been ruled over by England for so long um, is definitely still there. And, yes, yeah, certainly, I think it was King Henry VIII that passed a law which meant that Welsh was no longer um, allowed to be an official language of the country, and so everything had to be in English officially. And so that kind of uh, that kind of permeated throughout the centuries, and and so that education, for many years, was kind of an English thing. Mm. And my my dad went to an English school because there was no Welsh school available, and English was seen as the language of the future. English was seen as the language of the educated class. You know, if you wanted to get on in life, you needed to have your education in English. And so Welsh was certainly very much not promoted for a long time. And I don't know if you've heard or maybe some of your listeners have heard about um, the Welsh not. And so children that spoke Welsh at school would have this big um, wooden thing hung around their neck saying Welsh not. And whoever was the last person wearing the Welsh knot at the end of the day would be caned oh for speaking God. Welsh. Um, yes, I mean, you know, fortunately that doesn't happen now. But uh, yeah. yeah, that that was certainly a thing. Um, probably, you know, the end of the eighteen hundreds into the early nineteen hundreds. Um, That's you horrible. Know, ch children were caned for speaking Welsh. Uh, but yeah, it's it's certainly the case that in the last, well, I guess 25, 30 years or so that the Welsh government have really started to push Welsh medium education um, as, a, as a way of reaching their target of a million Welsh speakers by 2050. Yes. And yes, come on. <laughs> and... Yeah, I mean, there's there's always been a concern amongst the Welsh people that English would come and dominate and that, um, mm. you know, Welsh would be stamped out. And we, we, I mean, we're talking, going back here, uh, we, we've got time to go into uh, the story of the Welsh settlers that went to Patagonia in 1865. I've heard that. Yeah, so this this group of Welsh... Farmers mostly um, were were so concerned about the state of the Welsh language, even back in 1865, that they were 
willing to pack up everything and get on a boat and sail to Patagonia and set up their own Welsh community there and you know where they could be free to speak Welsh and not have you know the influence of the English over them mm. and I mean it's fascinating that that Welsh community is still like yeah. still there and so you still have Welsh speakers in Patagonia um, who have traditional Welsh things like Esteddfod, which you know we'll touch on a bit later, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there's there's that feeling of worrying about the English coming to dominate our language, mm-hmm. and you know there's there's essays and radio broadcasts from the the mid 1900s saying you know the state of the welsh language is is not good you know it's going to die out unless we do something about it so there's it feels like there's a constant battle mm-hmm. and it feels like now the government are you know actually trying to do something and um, to to increase the number of welsh speakers yeah that's great that's great news mm. i think yeah. that's terrific i would love to know about regional you 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 mentioned this a little bit but about regional variations in welsh and you know maybe that's accents in different parts of the country or how does how does the the language change as you move throughout wales so the the, the most obvious divide would mm-hmm. be the north south divide um a lot of the middle of wales is very sparsely populated so it's a very mountainous area so mm-hmm. there's there's that middle middle section where there's not a lot of people that live there. So the, the north-south divide is like a real, you know, you can tell where it is. And, yeah, they are very different um, in their, their pronunciation of words, their, the kinds of words that they use. And I remember being kind of 12, oh, maybe 10 years old, and I remember going on a camp, and it was the first time that I'd met anybody from the north. And... The, these people were just talking and I was like I have no idea oh, no. what you're saying at all and it it took quite a long time to kind of adjust and learn what they what they were talking about basically mm-hmm. and I know <laughs> one of my friends who I worked with um at the Welsh school that I taught at he was he was he had such a strong north Welsh accent and down in Cardiff you know, some of these kids had never heard this kind of accent before. The kids would just be like, I just don't know what Mr. Williams is saying. Aww. I just haven't got, I've got a clue. So it is, it is, it can be quite different, but it is something that you kind of get used to. And mm-hmm. the more you kind of, yeah, meet people from the north and the south. Yeah. So, you know, they, they might say, well, they, they say the word Ruan um, for now. Mm-hmm. And the the South Wales version of now is Naur. So it's, you know, Ruan and Naur. Wow. And you may, if you're very sharp listeners, have spotted that Ruan and Naur are spelt back to front. And so the South Wales people like to make jokes about the North people being a bit backward. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they, they have um, a very distinct accent up there. And yeah, across the South Wales, then you can you can see the the words changing. Mm-hmm. So my my father's from Pembrokeshire, and so the word for cold in Pembrokeshire they would say where, where. But in we moved then further east, and I I grew up saying or which is, you know, quite quite different. Yeah. Weir and or. And then when you move even further east, you get oir. So it goes from weir to or to oir. And it's just, you know, the same word, just pronounced differently. How does that happen? I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it is it is fascinating and you can you can often tell where well, you know, you tell where someone's from just from the words that they use. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Um it's funny when you were when you were 
uh, just pronouncing some of those words. And I'm thinking, I've heard Welsh recently, and you know where it was? Gavin and Stacy. <laughs> it was, uh, I think, was it her Uncle Bryn? Was was it her Uncle Bryn? Did you ever watch I, Gavin and Stacy? I, first I of did all? <laughs> watch. I did watch Gavin and Stacy. Yes, I'm just trying to think when they had the Welsh in it. I mean, they're from they're from Barry. And, yeah, uh, Barry, Barry's a special place. But... <laughs> oh man, I am so embarrassed that that's my reference. Welsh uh, language is Gavin and Stacy. I have a question about where we're seeing Welsh in Wales. Um, and being that they're, you know, it's it's Welsh, it's English. Um, is everything in both languages, like street signs or restaurant menus or bus station advertisements and things like that, or television, et cetera? Like, where are we seeing Welsh written? So we have a Welsh language television channel. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, was started in early 80s. And it took quite a long time, a lot of fighting to get that. Um, but that's kind of, you know, gone from strength to strength, really. Great. And when I was growing up, I think the quality was questionable, shall we Uh-oh. say. <laughs> um, yeah, but now there are, there are a lot of good, high-quality programs on there. And... Yeah, the the standard is has definitely raised since I was a teenager. Um, the, we have Welsh language radio channels, mm-hmm. um, Radio Cymru, which means Radio Wales, not to mm-hmm. be confused with Radio Wales, the English <laughs> Radio Wales. Oh no! Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you want to if you want to refer to the Welsh one, you have to say Radio Cymru. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those are those are where you might get um you know your media from in terms of like where you might see it out and about yes road signs any any sort of um government things have to be in two languages they have to be bilingual mm-hmm. there there are several stories of disaster translations um oh, no. including the one that says something like in english it says um, this road will be closed from, you know, 31st of May, 20, whatever it is, to whenever it is. And then the Welsh translation reads, I'm out of the office at the moment. No. I will deal with your query when you get back. And <laughs> you're just like, how can that even happen? But, yeah, it's quite a famous, famous <laughs> mistake of translating. Um, is that real or is that like a... Yeah, um... no, that's gen- genuine. Wow. Um, there's, a, there's a Facebook group called Arwyddion Gwael Cymraeg, which means bad Welsh language signs. <laughs> and so you see all sorts of um, <laughs> amusing and frustrating <laughs> translations of English into Welsh signs. And they are they are quite funny, some of them. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, not... Like if you go to a private business, they don't have to do anything in Welsh. Okay. Uh, many often will. Um, many will do sort of proper translation, get it done professionally, and some will just do a little quick translate on the internet mm-hmm. and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think my last question about the language is, you know, do we have a Welsh English hybrid sort of lingua franca developing in Wales. Maybe that's used with like younger people or through texting or something just like has has a, a new language evolved that combines both. Yes, Wenglish. Wenglish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Wenglish is... Is, well, it's it's not a language that is kind of developed as such. It's not a standard thing, um, but basically, a lot of, uh, well, almost I think by now, a hundred percent of Welsh speakers are also English speakers. 
mm-hmm. they might they might prefer to speak Welsh than English, but they do understand. So, mm-hmm. if you're speaking Welsh with someone and you forget the Welsh word for something, just stick the English one in, and you'll be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And that happens, you know, a lot. Uh, you know, even on I mean. I was, I was going to say even on the the radio it's usually the the kind of guests on the radio that do this the presenters usually have a very high level of Welsh yeah so yeah uh, but yeah they people do often just stick English words in here cool. and there some more than others <laughs> so, some people you can speak to them and you can pretty much get the gist of what they're saying just because there's a lot of English, mm-hmm. but okay. yeah, it's not something that's kind of developed to be used. It's oh, okay. a, it's a more of a, I want to use the Welsh language. I want to speak Welsh, but maybe I'm not quite so confident or mm. maybe, you know, like if you don't know that word or yeah. it escapes your, your mind, yeah, you exactly. kind of, okay. Yeah. All right. Very I, cool. I, I do have uh, a couple of funny stories of people that mostly speak Welsh. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I say funny. No, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do the one funny story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, my friend Reese was brought up in a completely Welsh household. Went to Welsh chapel. Went to Welsh school. Uh, lived in the countryside and didn't really have much contact with English. And, you know, we're talking, this is the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so internet hasn't really hit yet. Mm. There's not um, a great deal of English around, um, particularly uh, if your parents are quite keen on the Welsh language. And so he was he was very much... You know, I I only speak Welsh and, you know, that's it. And I remember bringing my friend um, Joey from university to meet him. And Joey's an accomplished linguist. Mm -hmm. He was brought up trilingually and, you know, has dabbled with a bit of learning Japanese and some other languages. So this Mm -hmm. guy's as a linguist. Right. And... um, Reese says to him, "Oh, um, he- hello, uh, Joey. Uh, how how are you today?" Ah, oh, Sussex and walks off. He just said, oh, "I can't speak English," and just walks off. And Joey's there going, "What? What? What have I done?" <laughs> but yeah, Aww. just yeah, poor Joey. So how is how is Reese these days? Is he? <laughs> He's he's uh he's a little bit older now. He's had a bit more life experience, a bit more worldly okay. experience. So okay. he's uh yeah. Okay. Well, if you're listening, Reese. <laughs> I love you, Reese. <laughs> I read that Wales has one of the oldest unbroken literary traditions in Europe. Do you know if that's true? I can well believe that it is. Okay. I cannot uh, say that I know 100% for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I can well believe that is true. Okay. Um, there are there are records of uh, Welsh poetry going back to the 6th century. Wow. So, yeah, there's a there's a chap called Taliesin who was a court bard for two Brythonic kings. So, you know, back in the, you know, <laughs> 500s the 6th century <laughs> yeah and um, entertainment was hard to come by so the kings would um employ bards poets to come and um perform poetry for them and entertain them mm-hmm. and taliesin was one of these famous poets of the time and his his poems were passed down um, verbally orally um throughout you know the generations and then in the 1300s, 13th century, maybe 12, something, mm-hmm. um, we have records then, written records of some of his poems from way back in the 6th century. Wow. So yes, yeah. In yeah. the Llyfr which means the Black Book of Carmarthen. 
Oh, are there many Welsh poets and or storytellers? And I'm asking this question because as I'm thinking all the way back to the 500s and needing poetry for entertainment, I also wonder if storytelling became oral storytelling became a tradition in the Welsh language and culture. But also I wonder about song and mm. music that has you know started uh centuries ago and maybe is still part of the tradition now is that the case yeah i mean there's there's certainly poetry that is is used and you know written about and possibly even performed today although mm. um i i this is this is completely random but when I was at school, mm -hmm. I was um, completely out of my depth in the top class of the Welsh class. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, I was I was decent at Welsh, you know, but I, w I was nowhere near some of the guys that were in this class. And this this these two guys on the bus in the morning would uh, would learn this, and we'll get into this this type of poetry called Kinghaneth. And they'd be teaching themselves King Hannah, they'd be helping each other out. And now um, they are both poets. <laughs> huh. They are both uh, lecturers at a university in Aberystwyth. And they both write poetry. And yeah, one of them was the children's poet for Wales uh, a number of years ago. So there's, there's a post called Children's Poet. And the job of the children's poet is to go around schools encouraging children to write oh, poetry. Oh, man, that's amazing. So, yeah, so p poetry is certainly still performed. Um, one of the podcasts that I listen to is uh, by one of these, these guys and his mate. And, yeah, the, it's all about Welsh poetry. Mm -hmm. And so they're always going on about, oh, and there's uh, some kind of poetry reading recital going on at this venue and this date. Um, all across you know, South Wales, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's it's a definitely form of entertainment. As as for songs and um, yeah, I mean songs, not sure about, mm -hmm. but the stories uh, are still passed on. Uh, stories called the Mabinogion, which are mythical yeah. stories. Yeah, the Mabinogion, mythical stories about ancient Wales and the history mm -hmm. of, you know, our country. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Um, what are some traditions and pastimes that we enjoy? What do we celebrate? What do we look forward to? What games do we play? What football teams do we support? Um, what are we doing with our, with our lives in South Wales? Well, we we're probably not carving love spoons anymore. <laughs> uh, although that certainly was a a tradition. Cool. So, um a tradition in Wales would be that a man who had an intention for a certain woman would spend his evenings carving a spoon called a love spoon. Mm -hmm. And it has all sorts of different symbols that you can carve into the wood. Um, and they mean different things. So you can carve in a church or a bell or a heart or a you know mm -hmm. something like that. And the the man would then give that to the girl that he liked as a kind of intention of hey, I'd like to marry you. Oh, yeah. So that was that was a a thing for a while. And there is a love spoon shop in Cardiff where I am. And you can go and you can see all the love spoons and there's, uh, yeah, people that still make them, but That's it's so it's sweet. not quite so widespread as it once was. Mm -hmm. Um, big big rugby fans. Okay. This this time of year is the time of year for the Six Nations, although at the time of recording, Wales are <laughs> zero and one for the tournament, having just got absolutely smashed by Ireland oh, on no. Saturday. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was it was bad, <sighs> bad, bad, Sorry. bad. Yeah, the other thing that we look forward to is the Eisteddfod. The Eisteddfod is a week-long festival in mm -hmm. the first week of August, okay. which celebrates 
all aspects of being Welsh. So there are competitions throughout the week. Mm-hmm. There, there are you know dancing competitions, folk dancing, uh, poetry writing, uh, performing, recitals, and that kind of thing. Music, all sorts of of competitions and performances that go on throughout the entire week, and it's it's a place where people go to kind of catch up with friends mm-hmm. and meet other Welsh speaking folk. Yeah, and there is there is the big competition, which is the the gadair, the chair. So the the most prestigious competition is the competition for the chair, and the chair is awarded to the best poem or set of poems, series of poems, um, written in a specific type of meter called kinghaneth. Okay. Kinghaneth, yeah. So. You have um, just regular poetry writing competition, and you have a Kinghaneth poetry writing competition. The Princeton Encyclopedia of Poetry and Poetics mm-hmm. des- describe it as the most sophisticated system of sound patterning practiced in any poetry system in the world. Hmm. What makes it so sophisticated? So there, I mean, this is going back again to the the early poetry that we were talking about earlier, yeah. this kind of 6th century poetry. Mm-hmm. They had these rules of consonant matching and rhyming, mm. uh, which you had to have in each line of your poem. And there are four different types. And if you want to, we can go into what the four are. Sure. Uh, I've got some examples of some Kinghaneth uh, here. Okay. So there are four types of Kinghaneth. Mm-hmm. There is the Kinghaneth Lisk, mm-hmm. the Kinghaneth Sign, the Kinghaneth Grois, and the Kinghaneth Drous. And they all have different um, patterns of rhyming and um, consonant matching. So if we we uh, find a little example here, Capel Garmon Garpiog, Chwain Afigai Hirion, Put Oweli Bach Dilin, Afak Overhead Bidron. That's uh, an example of a, an Englin, a poem which has this um, specific rhyming pattern and specific meter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have the Capel Garmon Garpiog. So the G and the G and the R and the R from Garmon and Garm and Garpiog match with each other. Okay. Ostauhi Nosta Ihuineb. So we have the S and the D and the H mm-hmm. matching with the S and the D and the H in the second half of the verse. So Ostauhi you got the S, and you can you can hear the consonants kind of clicking together. Ostauhi, nosta ilhuineb. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. And so yeah, there's a there's a whole set. I mean, I've got an entire entire book here of the rules of King Haneth. Oh. And yeah, you have to kind of match them all up. It's, it's I stuff. really like how Welsh sounds like history you can i don't know if it's me if i'm doing this in my head or if i'm overthinking it but i feel like i can hear that in the language and i i feel like when you're reading it and when i'm hearing it i i feel so much and i hear so much like history with the language and it i understand why people are so proud of their language and so proud of the culture i feel like i can hear that it's it's coming mm. through just listening to the language and it's really beautiful and thank you for sharing that those poems that that no bit of poetry with us that's really wow that's really amazing i'm i think i'm super excited because this is my like first real contact with aside from gavin and stacy with the Welsh language and like really, you know, getting to understand it from a Welsh speaker, from a Welsh person. So I feel so like grateful and so 
like this is a privilege for me and you know to to be able to talk with you in this time and it's a it's a pleasure to be able to share yeah. what is you know is a massive part of my identity who I am and my culture and to kind of put it on the map to get it out there to people to hear is you know very exciting what is i guess briefly you know in cardiff uh what what's life like in cardiff good in general okay um it is the capital city of wales and so there's much more going on than in a lot of rural wales so yeah if you want to do anything in wales you could probably do it in cardiff mm-hmm um, apart from climbing mountains <laughs> because we're quite close to the sea level um, yeah a lot of people like uh, the nightlife in Cardiff like going out um, yeah it's it's a decent place to live it's quite a smallish city mm-hmm. um, but bigger than bigger than I I like I like to be able to walk across the city, um, whereas it'd probably take me maybe twenty twenty five minutes to cycle across the city. Oh, so yeah, it's, that's a nice it's, size. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not quite walkable everywhere. Right. So it'd take you know a good two and a half hours to walk from one side to the other. Hmm. Let us know where we can find you what you're working on um if you want to share any of your uh social media or any of your you know contact information i'd love for you to do that yeah sure uh uh the thing that i'm working on at the moment is i have relaunched my podcast so i've relaunched my life to the full podcast cool. i started it during lockdown and did i think 11 episodes and it kind of you know everybody was doing something new in lockdown and then you know you had to get back to work then at some point yeah yeah so yeah so now i am i am starting that up again uh so you can find me on uh you know podcasts wherever you get your podcast apple podcast spotify it's life to the full um if you if you're that interested i do um i have done i kind of haven't done for a while um some youtube videos on personal finance so again david morse easy to find and on i'm on instagram david morse and i mostly post about you know stuff that i'm up to which is cool if people want to get in touch yeah i'll add links to all of your platforms in the show notes for this episode so that people who want to follow you want to get in touch can do so right away fantastic david thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for talking to me about the welsh language the welsh culture the beautiful country of wales um it's been an absolute pleasure oh man i just i feel like i didn't even get to talk to you about as much as I wanted to talk to you about because I have a lot to learn about whales but this is a great start and I'm so fascinated now yeah well (laughs) uh get in touch again yeah come (laughs) back come back on the show we'll do this again absolutely uh uh, I like to end each episode with the same question and I have a feeling this will be a fun one um do you have any jokes popular sayings tongue twisters cool slang words idioms words of wisdom or words of advice in welsh to share to teach us and most mostly to teach me (laughs) and to teach my listeners well here we go okay now i i often used to get asked oh um can you say the place name Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah, okay, let's go. And so Wales has the is home to the longest place name in Europe. <laughs> and it's second longest place name in the world, second only to some place in New Zealand. And it's a little town in North Wales on the island of Anglesey, 
and there's nothing there apart from a train station and a tourist shop which has got the big sign of the name of the place. Are you ready for this? <laughs> no, but I'll, I got my pencil in hand, so I'm going to try. <laughs> okay, so the place is called Llanfair Pullgwingill Gogerachwyr Ndrobo Llantisilio Gogogoch. Why is it such a long name? I think it's <laughs> just so that they could say, we are the longest place name. <laughs> I think it used to be called Llanfair Pull, mm. and, and that's how the locals refer to it. Okay. So, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from Llanfair PG, maybe. Llanfair mm. Pull. But okay. yeah, Llanfair Pull is a is a mouthful. Does it mean anything? Yes, it does. It means something along the lines of... Uh, the Church of St. Mary next to the White Hazel and the Swirling Whirlpool next to the Church of um, St. Tisilia by the Red Red Cave. Very, very, very precise. Very <laughs> precise. All right. Can we take this syllable by syllable? Yes, we can. And I cannot promise I will be able to string this all together, but I want to try every syllable. So okay. I'm ready when you are. Ready. Yeah. So we've got llan. Llan. Yes. Vair. Vair. So that's llan vair. Push. Push. One more time. Push. Push. Gwyn. Gwyn. Gish. Gish. Gore. Gore. Ger. Ger. Er. Er. Chwyrn. Wow. Wait a minute. Okay. One more time. Chwyrn. One more time. Chwyrn. Oh. Yes, there we go, you got it. Draw. Draw. Bush. Bush. Go, ger. Gor, ger. Uh. Uh. Draw, Draw, Tisilia. Tisilia. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. Perfect. And now you've just got to piece it all together. I will work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I will work on that. But I that was that was really fun because I didn't know where my my tongue was supposed to go. And I don't know where like my, how my mouth was supposed to move and that was thrilling <laughs> that was that was thrilling that was a and, lot of fun and you pretty much nailed it i thank you for your kindness <laughs> and <laughs> and simultaneously apologize to the people of wales um if you know anybody has any issues with my pronunciation <laughs> but i like to try because that's what language learning is about it's about trying absolutely, absolutely. Um, that was not being 100 percent serious that was fun that was a lot of fun that's um great. i won't put you through it again and i will have to practice that on my own but thank you for sharing that and i i didn't know that was going to be the you know the the lo like such a long word yeah that's so cool it's yeah it's one of the things that people do want you to say like if yeah. you're from <laughs> from you know england wales and people find out that you speak welsh then mm -hmm. they will often ask you oh can you say that really long place name oh my gosh yeah. I just imagine you being heckled from like across it's the like street. It's like a little party trick, you know. <laughs> Say the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much again. And uh, before I let you go really quickly, I want to ask you, so if we are in Wales and we've been talking for quite some time, hanging out, let's say we've just left a Shirley Bassey concert, yes. personal, personal favorite of mine, Dame Shirley. Um, we've We've just left Dame Shirley for the evening. We're going our separate ways. Um, in Wales, in Welsh, what is the best way to say goodbye? It's just simply hoil. 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 David, thank you. Hoyle. Thank you so much again. And I'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey. New episodes of Speaking Tongues are available every Monday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel and like and share episodes with other language lovers like ourselves. Ciao!